Welcome to uh, day 33 of Shaped by the Word. We've come to the end of uh, another week. We've been reading through the New Testament uh, during the weekdays. If you have the version app of Shaped um, by the Word, you have two readings from the Psalms for the weekend, and we hope you'll take advantage of reading the Psalms as preparation for worship. Uh, we go to uh, the worship book or the prayer book of the Old Testament and on the weekend in order to prepare our hearts for worship. So we hope you'll take advantage of reading the Psalms. And you're going to see so many of the themes that we find in the Gospels and in the New Testament repeated again and again in the Psalms. We've been reading through the Gospel of Luke, and we're deeply enjoying you know that experience. Uh, I'm Paul Camp. I am here with David Keefe. Hey, guys. And uh, Matt Kresge. Hey. And uh, we... Uh, spend most of our week together so we hope to expand just a, the next 15 minutes with yeah. you our wives usually ask us to leave the house and come <laughs> here so you go here, to work today, here right? we are reading scripture together uh, what we do in 15 minutes the word actually started in staff meeting is we uh you would just sit around and you know just say what are you getting out of the word this week and uh, what's you know really striking you and we'd sit around and have these little discussions it's fun to have these with you knowing that you're participating with us and reading with us and responding with us of course, one of the most important things we can do when we read is realize the reason we are reading is so that we may know God and be transformed by Him. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is a work of the Holy Spirit in us through His Word, which is a gift of His Spirit. It's God-breathed so that every word that we have in Scripture is the very Word of God, and it comes through the style and the personality of the author. It's a it's a book that preserves their humanity and yet has God's authority and God's invitation and God's demands, you know, of us as believers. So we humbly ask Him to help us as as we read. So, David, do you mind doing that for us no. as uh, as we start today's room? Let's pray, Father. Just as Paul has said, we we do want to come to Your Word humbly. Um, we thank You so much for Your Word, and we thank You how it does reveal to us the heart of the Father, but it also calls us um, to follow Him and to forsake all for Christ. And so as we turn to the Scriptures today, um, may we see the words uh, of, of the Bible, and may they encourage us where we need encouragement, where they, may they convict us where we need conviction. And most of all, may we see the glory of Christ, and may we long um, to worship Him um, and to joyfully serve Him. And so, Father, thank You for this time. We praise all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Our reading for today is Luke chapter 17. So we begin in verse 1. Jesus said to his disciples, Things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe to anyone through whom they come. Be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them, and if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. He replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry bush, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it will obey you. Suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink, and after that you may eat and drink? Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you've done everything you were told to do, should say, we're unworthy servants. 
We've only done our duty. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into the village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except for this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Once, on being asked by Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, Here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Then he said to his disciples, The time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. People will tell you, There he is, or here he is. Do not go running after them, for the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating and drinking, marrying and being given marriage up to the day that Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planning and building. But the day that Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It'll be just like that on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, no one is on the housetop with possessions inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life will preserve it. I tell you, on that night, two people will be in one bed. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding grain together. One will be taken and the other left. Where, Lord, they ask. He replied, where there is a dead body, there the vultures will gather. What a nice verse to end the week on reading. Have a great weekend, Where there guys. are dead bodies, the vultures will, <laughs> will gather. He's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Often happens right here on yeah. the church property. <laughs> Lots uh, of dead deer, there, sadly. There we see it. So we have Jesus, you know, once again, you know, challenge, you know, challenging, uh, you know, his, his, his disciples. And he begins by saying, you know, people are going to stumble, but make sure that it doesn't come you know, through you. Mm-hmm. And he uses this uh, incredible image to be better for you and, and to be living a life. And of course, he's, he's you know, addressing not only his disciples, but uh, the many who are following him, the scribes and the Pharisees who, you know, are causing many to stumble, not only in their, you know, mischaracterization of the Old Testament, but in the very way they live their lives, the priorities they have, their love for wealth, their love for money, and, you know, for the things they have. He said, people are going to stumble. But, you know, whatever you do, make sure it doesn't come through you. And it'd be better, you know, just tie a rock around that anyway and jump jump into the sea. What serious words, right? Yeah. And and very sobering, obviously. Um, And then in verse 3, so watch yourselves. And uh, what, what a great word there, which obviously is continued on throughout the New Testament. That is a better verse to end the week on yeah. than to uh, where dead bodies guys. are, the vultures will gather. Well, as the Apostle Paul, uh, you know, guard your life and your doctrine yeah, closely. It, and so this whole idea of, of watching ourselves. If you do, and, you'll save not only yourself, yeah. but your hearers. Yeah. Nothing just to pass over. I mean, this the first couple of verses here are 
huge for how we live as believers. Right. You know, the gospel is to be on display in our lives. Yeah. You know, it's not something, you know, that we, we simply believe and hold private. We are to bear the fruit of the gospel. And if we bear the fruit of the gospel, and of course, so carefully described in Luke and our attitude toward the poor, those that are mm-hmm. disenfranchised, those are, you know, that are far away. Uh, we're living out the compassion and the fruit and the generosity of the gospel. Then, far from making people stumble, we are actually through our lives demonstrating God's yeah. grace as an entrance into the kingdom. Yeah, it's a helpful reminder. I mean, this passage that our faith's just not an individual faith. You know, you can't privatize it and just you know say, "Well, I have faith in Jesus, and I'm just going to you know keep it to myself." It, it's always going to impact those around us. It's always going to come out. So, like, I mean, Jesus is saying, "Watch yourselves," but not simply because you know do you have faith but how is your faith going to impact those around you now how's your teaching going to impact those around you and even so much so that i love how he continues it he says if your brother or sister sins against you rebuke them and if they repent forgive them you know that that our faith is tied to a community you know our communal faith. and how many times should you do that (laughs) i mean if somebody you know seven times in one day yeah that's a bad day man yeah that that is a hard day i got rebuked seven times today Uh, but if there's genuine repentance and and of course seven times i mean how many times are we gonna you know sin against each other and sin against god in a day many more times than that and they've been forgiven you know, by him, but picking back up on what you're saying, Matt, you know, that's so important. Within the body of Christ, our lives are to be lived as an encouragement to one another. Yeah. And outside the body of Christ, our lives are to be lived as a demonstration of God's yeah. grace, uh, which he, he, he can use to compel others, you know, to seek and know him. And so even though the apostles say after all that, increase our faith. No, yeah. You have to forgive. I'm insufficient. Yeah. Well, I, I love where it comes. You have to forgive somebody seven times. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to need more faith. I'm going to need some help. Yeah. Yeah, but Jesus is so sufficient to help us in that task. Absolutely. Yeah. What Jesus' response to that, increase our faith, you know, and then he goes and says, it's not about the quantity of your faith, right? It's not about how much faith you have. He's like, if faith is small as a mustard, and he's already talked about the mustard seed, you know, but... If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, you know, which would have been a massive tree with these incredible root systems, to, you know, go and it will have it. And it's like, oh man, okay, it'll, well, it'll be uprooted yeah, and planted in the middle of the sea. Like, so, uh, how many mulberry trees have you planted in the sea, Matt? Man, not not too many. I think you tried last. I'm time. figuring you have more faith than either, actually, e- either David I, or I. I read this, yeah. and every time I read this, I think of there's a there was a little plant that we had by our house that I tried to like uproot and pull out of the ground, and I could not get. I mean, it's like the smallest little thing. I just couldn't get that. You know, try in all of my strength to uproot this little. So here plant. you're doing a podcast, and you <laughs> don't even have the faith of a sesame seed. I know. I can't even know, do and, that. And, God and of course, Matt's faith. That is not the point. The point. Yeah. is not that we have faith so that we can manipulate yeah. things toward our cause. It's talking about how powerful faith is. Yeah. And of course, the power of our faith is manifest not in the number of mulberry you know, bushes that have moved in recent times because we commanded them to move, but our faith is measured by the reception of the gospel and its fruit, you know, bared in us. Mm-hmm. So he's never given us faith just to manipulate our world on a whim or for our yeah. ends, yeah. but he's given us faith that we might know him and be transformed, you know, by the gospel, which is a sign of that is the yeah. ability to forgive. Yeah. Well, and don't we see, I mean, that next story where Jesus heals the 10 men with leprosy, it's always a fascinating story to me. I mean, one, you see just the, 
the way that lepers were treated, you know, they're outcasts. They don't even dare to approach Jesus. You know, they stand away at a distance. But I, I, it, it's always striking to me that Jesus says, you know, they say, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he sees them, he says, go show yourselves to the priest. And he doesn't cleanse them yet. You know, and that would have been a terrible place to go if you weren't cleansed, you know, is to go to the priest. And it says that as they went, they were cleansed. I mean, the, the faith to be able to, to just stand there and Jesus say, okay, go to the priest, show yourself. You know, no assurance of you're going to be cleansed. And I, and I wonder if maybe some of that's the Second Kings passage where you have Naaman, you know, having to go through kind of all these things to be cleansed of leprosy and just trust that what God says will yeah and and of course these guys are demonstrating the faith of a mustard seed yeah you know as they move you know toward the priest and he you know happens to set this up on the border between judea and samaria uh and so all of these people are outcasts from their community so they're the only community they had was each other a community if you would you know of the unclean you know, living together and of course when he tells them to go to the temple there there was one that the only barrier, you know, the, didn't just have the barrier of his leprosy keeping him out of the temple. He had the barrier of nationality. Yeah. And, and so the others, you know, go off to the temple. And I guess, this, you know, you guys probably asking, where can I go and where can I worship? And he says, I know. I'm going to worship the one who's restored me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, of course, you have the beautiful response of, you know, what worship should be, gratitude and bowing down. You know, at the feet of Jesus for the remarkable grace. Uh, we we've been given so much grace, we take it for granted. This this guy it was so immediate, so visible, and had been desired for all of his life. You know that he was overwhelmed by that, and that is really how we ought to come into the presence of God. We're overwhelmed that we have been made clean, yeah. and can go in the presence of of you know of the Lord who is the temple. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I love seeing ourselves in that story, how we, even as re- repulsive we might be from leprosy, our sin is so much more repulsive, and yet in Christ, the true temple, we've been made clean. So just beautiful images there of the gospel. And man, I know you're going to love the next session, the coming of the kingdom. So <laughs> it takes us a little bit yeah. into eschatology. You know, this, yeah. this is a great question. So when is the kingdom going to come? <laughs> And Jesus said, you know, it's not something you're just going to kind of, you know, in the end, we will see it. In the end, you know, the new Jerusalem will come visibly, you know, upon the earth. Uh, But they're asking the question when the kingdom has come. And, of course, the answer is it's already come. You know, with the arrival of Jesus, the kingdom has already come. And I love his answer. It's not that you can say here it is or there it is. It's right here in the middle of you. Yeah. And uh, you know, speaking of you know, speaking yeah. of himself, yeah, so much heartache would be saved if people would read this passage in Luke. You know, we spend so much time on the Olivet discourse in Matthew, but I love you know he says, but people will tell you there he is or here he is. You know, don't go running after them. And so much of just heartache, you know, will be stopped if we just consider Jesus isn't saying, "Hey, I'm coming soon," so that you know, be afraid and always be. He's saying, yeah. "Hey, persevere." Stand in there. I, I will come back. Days will be hard, but you know I am with you. The kingdom of God is at hand, and it will come in all of its fullness. Hang on. And, and one of the themes for the week has been, you know, whoever humbles himself will be exalted, and whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And of course, Jesus' first coming was very humble. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, uh, to a cross point, not only humbled but humiliated. 
uh, you know, to the point, you know, to the point of the cross. But it's the second coming will be very obvious, like you know, lightning in the sky, and 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 you'll know it, and and, and you'll see it. They said there'll be times you'll long for one of the days of the Son of Man, mm-hmm. uh, but you'll not see me again until you say, "Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord for the consummation of everything." You know that God has promised. We live in His promises now. We live in the, uh, you know, the yet, but not yet. Mm-hmm. We, we've received His grace and brought into relationship with Him. We live under His rule in His kingdom, enjoying the benefits of His grace. Uh, you know that we've seen so vividly and you know, demonstrated in the, the passages that we've read this week. Uh, we've been given new status in 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 Him, and and one day it'll be, finally be. You know, fulfilled. So, man, I'll, I'll let you have the final word on the eschatology here, and then you can lead us in prayer. Yeah, final word. Jesus, Jesus is victorious. He will reign forever. <laughs> you know, yes. We don't know the days. Yeah. We don't know the times. But we know yeah. him who will come again. And he says in that day, don't run back to your house to get your yeah. stuff. And then he follows <laughs> that up with this kind of poignant little thing, because whoever trying to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his mm-hmm. life will find yeah. it. And it's kind of a, a discipleship twist. You know, you're not going to be saying, I got to have my, you know, Jesus is coming. I got to yeah. have my stuff. Give my iPad. No way. Yeah. Well, iPad's different. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you carry that with like... you all the time. <laughs> Go ahead, Matt. Yeah. Oh, that's a good final word. I mean, when yeah. he comes, we're not going to be enamored with anything else. You know, we're yeah. going to be enamored with the one who, mm-hmm. who has come. Yeah. yeah. Let's we, pray. <laughs> yeah. Father, thank you for... Um, your word, thank you that you have reminded us over and over again um, of your grace to us. You've reminded us of the very faith that you've given us. And so, Father, would we um, fix our eyes on you, the object of our faith? We thank you for the grace we have um, in Christ. We do long for the day um, that he will come, and, and we look for that day and, and long for that day. But until then, um, would we be found faithful? Um, serving you and and loving you. Father, keep us. Um, We love you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.